on in and take your seat. We'll, we'll go ahead and get started today. <laughs> and it is good to see you guys. Um, yeah, great to see you guys again. I was telling the first service, I was like, this is easily one of my, my favorite Sundays of the year. I enjoy every single Sunday with you guys. But uh, this happens to be Mission Sunday 2020. The time you were walking around out there, you're seeing that we've got a bunch of our missionaries in town. Uh, we've got about 13 of our 24 church-supported missionaries in town. And uh, they are out in that hallway. And so this is easily one of my favorite times uh, every year that we get to come and really do a couple things. Uh, the reason we do Mission Week is, the, number one, to honor our missionaries, to um, let them know they're not, they are a part of our church body. It's trying to explain to them on a Thursday or Friday this past week that even though they're not with us week after week, they are a part of the body of Christ, and they're an important part of what we do here at Dallas Bible Church. We try to uh, we try to send all of our people back into the world on mission, and a lot of our missionaries are already doing that. And so we honor them with that. And so I hope and pray as you guys are out there that, uh, that you see their tables. My hope is that you're going to stop and you're going to talk with them and you're going to treat them like other family members that you haven't had a chance to catch up with in a long time. Uh, as many of you, you may or may not know, when you're a missionary that's out in the field and you come back and visit your home church, it is a weird experience because many of these people were sent out 15, 20 years ago, and the church is very, very different from when they were first sent out. Uh, maybe even five, 10 years ago, all of your faces are brand new. They don't know who you are. You don't know who they are. And so you're walking back into a place that you've got relationship with, yet you still feel like a stranger. And my hope and prayer is that our missionaries don't feel like strangers here, that you guys would stop by their tables, uh, that you would talk to them, even the introverts that don't want to be talked to, right? You're going to come there and you're going to love them. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna care for them and, and just encourage them um, in, in whatever they're going through. And so uh, stop by there in between services and be a part of that. The other reason that we do Missions Week is this is a time to be reminded that um, God has called every single one of us to be engaged in the mission of God. It's not just a few who go and sell what they have and raise support and do it overseas or do it with a, a specific ministry in mind. It's not just the few that go to seminary or Bible college or something like that. Every single man, woman, and child who has the indwelling Holy Spirit has been, has been, uh, is compelled by the love of Jesus Christ to go into the world and engage his mission for the praise and for the glory of his name. And this is our desire at Dallas Bible Church, that we would not just be this gathering of believers that comes together week after week to have our ears tickled, to learn a few neat things about the Bible or Jesus and, and to be able to kind of check that off of our box every single week, but that you would come, that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you'd be reminded of the goodness of Jesus Christ, and that you'd be sent back out outside these walls on mission, back into your workplace, your neighborhoods, your families, whatever area of influence and sphere of influence that God has put you in, that you would understand that he has a purpose for your life right there, and that you can impact eternity in the way that you engage in those relationships. And so that's our reminder today is that, uh, is that every single one of us have been called and been uh, sent back out into the world on mission. And so this morning, we're going to do that. We do that every single year by highlighting a bunch of our missionaries, letting you engage with them. They're going to be in our classes uh, last hour and this hour, sharing a lot of their stories. Uh, you're going to have an opportunity to hear from a couple of them this morning. Uh, the two people you get to hear from today, um, uh, you may recognize some their faces. So uh, they're going to have been a been around here for a little bit. Uh, the second person that you're going to hear a story from, we're going to be commissioning he and his family uh, to go out as church-supported missionaries for the very first time. And the Valleys, you guys have known them for the past four years, and they have responded to the call of God in their life to go around the world. They're going to be going to Sydney, and uh, you're going to hear their story in just a little bit. 
And then uh, the first story that you're going to hear from uh, is, uh, I just got to lay this out there, just easily one of my favorites, right? Uh, there's a lot of personal investment in this one here. And um, she has been around our church as long as I have been here. And, um, and uh, I've never had a chance to come up here, and we've never shared with you the story of what she does and what her ministry is and, and with the mission that's behind that. And so this is a fun part when I was doing uh, the interview process here about four and a half years ago. Uh, they're, you know, hey, tell us about your family and that kind of a thing. And I was like, well, we've got a unique dynamic here. Yes, I am a minister of the gospel here at the church. My wife is also. And she started a fantastic ministry about 12 years ago now, uh, engaging professional women with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, you're going to get to hear a little bit of that story now uh, as it relates to today. Because this understanding that every single one of us have opportunities before us every single day to carry out uh, the mission of God wherever it is that you are. And so, like I said before, this is easily one of my favorites. I got to say, probably the prettiest missionary we have, if I do say so myself. And so, uh, with that, would you guys just help me welcome Cat Armstrong up here today? So, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> this is funny. We didn't. Hey, commu- babe. Good to see you. We never really get to see each other much in the, on, Sunday on Sunday mornings. This is a. Uh, yeah, it's always a weird dynamic, uh, the, the pastor's family thing on Sunday morning. And so it's good to see you, you know, like your dress. So, um, <laughs> Thanks, babe. Yeah, so um, one of the things we wanted to talk about, you, you wear a lot of hats, right? That was the thing that uh, obviously I was very drawn to at the very beginning. You do wear a lot of hats. You're a pastor's wife. You're a spouse. You're a mother. You're uh, a ministry leader, a missionary supported by the church. Will you tell us a little bit about how you, just tell us a little bit about your story, how you came to faith and uh, kind of came to be where you are today. So, Yeah, I came to faith through two professional women. They were both teachers at my school. I was going to a Christian private high school, did not know the Lord, and it was my choir teacher and my cheerleading coach that both pulled me aside on separate occasions and articulated the gospel to me. And I remember the reason they approached me is both of them had noticed that I was really drawn to success. I wanted to accomplish something. And both of them pointed out, you're kind of on a trajectory in life. And we are a little concerned that at some point you're going to be disappointed and recognize that grace is something you don't earn. And it seems like you really like earning things, whether it's a grade or a badge or a title. And so both of them shared the gospel with me, and that's how I came to faith at the age of 16. And then I started sneaking into a Sunday school class, an adult Sunday school class at my church at First Baptist of Houston. I heard she was pretty good, wasn't she? She was okay. Uh, I remember my youth pastor, I went to him and said, I really, I'm good. Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) I really wanted to learn more about the Bible. And my youth pastor said, there is a very Southern lady with very Southern hair that teaches a very large adult Bible (laughs) study here at our church, and you should slip in. And so I did my junior and senior year of high school. Her name was Beth Moore. And at the time, I mean, she she wasn't the Beth Moore we know today, yeah. uh, the publishing powerhouse or the speaker. She was just a Sunday school teacher that taught awesome Bible studies. So that I I literally got a just passion to read the scriptures and to teach it by watching her example and got invited to a Bible study, which kind of led to a, a sorority environment where I was elected chaplain. And then I ended up preaching every week to 400 college women um, through the book of Ephesians. And I just felt like I'm going to do women's ministry when I grow up. And <laughs> all of that kind of shifted once I got into the workforce. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how 
Uh, obviously, we met during those years, and so we connected a lot on, on, on those lines right there. But tell us about how you started thinking missionally. So you had, at the very beginning in the college years, right, there was a lot of, you were working with Christian women in the college scene. I was working with Christian dudes on a, think of it, in a college scene at A&M. And um, so when did it begin to shift for you, really? And when did you begin to think about mission as far as this external focus there? Well, it's interesting. I was halfway through my program at Dallas Seminary, and yet I was the second youngest VP in sales for a network marketing company. And I just loved my job. I love the people. I love the company. I love the products. And that's part of why I felt success in that career. And so I was doing two at the same time. You know, I'm getting my seminary degree, but I'm also still in the workforce. And what I was recognizing is that every single week, I was having the opportunity to share my faith. People would ask about why I was in the business I was in. And I would say, well, my husband and I are both trying to pay for grad school. That's why I'm selling this product. Um, and please buy a lot of them. Um, but it, uh, what would happen is people would hear, seminary? Are you going to be a priest? Or bury people. Are you going to bury? Yeah, are you yeah. going to, can you marry people? <laughs> can you bury people? I had women who would, uh, my clients would break down in front of me when they would find out I was a Christian. And they would say, could you pray for me? They, they treated it almost like a confessional. You know, I'm cheating on my husband. I'm stealing from my company. I'm, you know, looking for a new job. And I didn't know how to process this because when I moved to Dallas, everybody went to church. I thought you guys were all Christians living in Dallas, yeah. that everybody knew the gospel. And so uh, it was that experience in my professional life that I was recognizing there is a whole generation of working women without have anyone going to them to share the gospel. We're hoping that they will come to church with us. But my experience, I was inviting women to church on the regular, and their response would be, oh, yeah, no, I haven't been to church since, oh, youth group, probably. And then when I would invite them to my home to come to a small group Bible study, their response would be like, oh, you are precious. (laughs) No. Um, So my girlfriend and I, Stephanie, we were both in our career, but also going to seminary. We started to meet once a week to pray. And so our purpose was let's make a list of everyone we work with, everyone in our apartment complex, anyone we have influence in. Let's start praying by name that we have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. A year into that prayer journey, Stephanie came to me in 2008 and said, let's do something. We have prayed enough. We have tried enough. What professional women need is a safe place to come to, not the doors of a church. We can't get them there. We can't get them in Bible study. What if we created a safe place where they could network, do professional development, meet other professional women, and we share the gospel with them? P.S. This is not new. Young Life is doing this. Crew is doing this. You know, lots of ministries do this, but we wanted to focus on professional women. Nice. So tell us a little bit about the story of Polished. Including, I didn't ask you this in the first of like, why the name Polish? People are like, so it's not no. just for the Polish, right? We want to clarify that, no. right? We had a lot of Polish I, immigrants asking no, early yeah. on if this no. is for them. And <laughs> yes, I am Mexican and them, German. But. I am not Polish. But we were, we, were, uh, po- we were Polish for a while, and we added yeah. the ED after a Winter Olympics. I was like, no more. I'm not going through another Olympics <laughs> where people think we're for Polish people. Although, if you are Polish, you were invited, and we would love to have you. <laughs> we are not exclusively, so we are Polished Ministries, and we are an out- outreach organization, and our goal is to equip and inspire professional women to navigate their career and to explore their faith, and we accomplish that by hosting monthly luncheons
missions in eight cities currently. We have eight chapters, Dallas, North Dallas, Southern Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, Houston, Oklahoma, Pasadena, and we're launching DC in the fall. Um, but we raise up leaders in these cities, professional women that are working full-time but have a, a passion to share the gospel with their peers, and we equip them with the same training that Time to Revive uses, yeah. to use tab Bibles to walk people through the gospel, and we have them invite their friends to these events. So in any given month, we've got eight events going on in all these different places, and we host a one-hour program, sometimes it's 90 minutes, so that professional women can be in and out and back to work, and in that 60 minutes, Minutes, they're getting 20 minutes of discussion at a table. They're listening to a professional woman who devours Jesus share her testimony. So we're yeah. going to recruit 100 speakers this year to speak in 100 of our events. Um, and then we present the gospel at every event. And the way we do that is we talk about the big story of the Bible. So we tell professional women here at Polished, we believe in one true God. Um, and we believe that God made something good, and that includes you. We also believe that we found a way to mess it up. Do we not find a way to mess everything up? <laughs> the good news is, is that Jesus made it right. The best news is that one day he's going to make all things new. And so if that feels like news to you or a light bulb's going on, that's because there is a God who wants to be in a relationship with you. And we would love to be a companion on your spiritual journey wherever you are on that journey. So if you have questions about the Bible, if you want to get a free Bible, if you would like to visit a local church, we would love to take you. And then we you know, point out the, the polished volunteers in the room. And their those volunteers are guiding discussion at the tables. They're trained on how to share their faith. And they're following up with every single person that comes to the event. Yeah. So I think one of the things when you were first going down this journey, we were both pretty surprised to find out, hey, um, the church isn't the central place anymore in the community where uh, people are just rushing in the doors because they're so curious about Jesus. Tell us, tell us, tell us. Like there's been a shift culturally and, and an incredible amount of people that have no spiritual curiosity whatsoever, right, especially professional women. So what were you seeing? Can you go into that? I think, uh, I think slide three right there talks a little bit more about that. But we talk a little bit more about what you're seeing specifically in professional women that made you want to go to them. Well, certainly my experiences with all of these conversations where I was telling people about Jesus and they were like, oh, you're cute. No. Um, or I'd present the gospel and I'd be like, what? What are you talking about, Grace? Getting something you don't deserve through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? It was experience. But also yeah. we've got so much statistical data to back up that there is a spiritual shift like in our landscape, in our world. And so some of those stats are pretty old, but they still ring true if you look at the new ones. I mean, the only thing that's increased for women over the last 20 years is becoming unchurched. And so there was a time in, the, in U.S. history where women were the backbone of the American church. There was a lot written on that where 80% of church work was done by women and 60% um, of the volunteers were women. And so they were really the strength uh, and a force in the American church. But women are exiting the pews at record speeds. And the, the age of a skeptic is dropping younger and younger. And if we have tailored our ministries here at a church to focus on women who are mothers, which is so beautiful. I love being a mom. But almost 60% of U.S. women are single. Yeah. And over 70% of women are working in some capacity, maybe only one day a week or side or full time. But that's where a lot of women are. And more women have advanced educational degrees than men in the U.S. So they're yeah. going to use those degrees, stay in the workforce longer. And so at Polished, we recognize that caregiving is work. 
So, I mean, being a mom is a full-time job. Uh, And so we're reaching women who are clocking into an office or going somewhere to do their work. So tell us a little bit about the strategy and some of the specifics of how you go about doing that. Because you're right, there's been a shift where um, obviously a lot more women out of the workforce now. And they're not coming back in. So how do you, what, what do you guys actually do in the meeting and stuff? And how do you raise up those Christian leaders in your ministry to go and to think missionally in a way that engages them? Yeah, I mean, what we're doing in those meetings is they're hearing a story of a professional woman who already loves God. And we know that our stories are such effective tools when we're sharing our faith because no one can deny that, that God has changed our lives. So we invite, you know, all sorts. We'll have folks who are really recognizable, like Elizabeth Hasselbeck was a speaker for us this past year. But then we also have your average woman who works at Interstate Batteries and is a CPA for them come and share a testimony. So that's a really powerful tool. And then obviously using a tabbed Bible that walks someone through the Romans Road is an effective tool. But peer-to-peer evangelism is the strongest form of evangelism. So children ministering to children, women to women, men to men, adults to adults. And so we're, I mean, we just haven't reinvented the wheel. They just let peers evangelize their peers. And as professional women, we know where they work, where they live, what they like. And so we create events that um, not only attract women who feel disconnected from the local church and far away from God, but we're also able to raise up a whole generation of leaders that feel underutilized. They've got a lot to offer the church body, but they may not use their gifts on a Sunday morning. And so we're able to harness that and say, well, come join Polished and yeah. well, you can do whatever you want with Polished. Yeah, that's the part that I love. It's, it's this idea that everyone's got a role to play and everyone's got a purpose. And so one of the things I love that you guys do is you do, you help mobilize women to go and have the, to recognize their voice and to have this platform and, and to be able to see their workplace in a very different way. Um, one of the things that you guys talked about a lot in the process is following up. So the ladies will come to this beautiful luncheon. It's central. It's located around other businesses, easy to get to. They have an incredible lunch, good table conversation at the beginning. They hear a great story. But really the bread and butter of everything is how you train these leaders to go and to follow up with the different curious ladies at their table and stuff. So mm-hmm. will you talk a little bit about what does that follow up look like with them? And you had a, a story about a, a, a lady named Evelyn. I'd, I'd love you to share that one too. So, Yeah, I mean, it's really simple. It, we encourage our leaders within 24 to 48 hours after an event to text or email anyone that sat at their table. And we provide that information to them. And then we give them kind of a templated people that they can adapt to show their own voice that helps them invite people to church to say you know if you came today and you'd like to go to church come with me and then probably the most thing something we stress the most is if there is a need that my God could meet for you what would it be and then we pray for that and so we're really good at cultivating personal relationships with people that are based on I've been praying for you since you came to Polish last month and I wanted to know how your interview went it's yeah. the, it's just that simple we it's it's nothing it's just really simple it's what we've been doing around here for the past few years right yes and even right now uh Kyle Martin is training. Um, Our co-directors are here from D.C., Lubbock. All all of our cities are here, our top-level leaders. And Kyle Martin is in the fireside room right now, training them with the wristbands and the Bibles. But we've been using that method since we've been at Dallas Bible Church. And prior to that, we were using the three circles methods, if you're familiar with navigators. And we've, we've done all sorts of different tools, but we focus in on one tool a year. And those ladies feel a lot of confidence. Yeah. I love that one. It's fun to kind of see how different the, the different mission organizations and missionaries around here will will interact with each other and stuff. And, and Time to Revive has been a huge, uh, if, if you don't know them, they're some very um, 
integrated missionaries here, and they've been a part of our church for a long time, but uh, just giving people the confidence and the tools to be able to know how to walk someone through the basics of the gospel. You had a fun story from this past year. I'd love you to share and kind of give people a picture of what it looks like uh, to go through that process. Well, I went out to the Fort Worth chapter. I do site visits, so I'll travel and go see all of our different chapters. And I happened to be in Fort Worth that day, and our MC was sick. So she said, could you close us out today? So I was really focused on that. And you know what's ironic is that I train all of our leaders have spiritual eyes when you show up. We don't even have to go door to door. They're coming to us. And every single person that's going to sit at a polished event, they need to hear the good news of Jesus. They need to be invited to church. They need to get a free Bible. They need to know someone's praying for them. And yet, I train on that. But when I showed up, I was so focused on emceeing the event that day that when Evelyn approached me, a very first-time guest to Fort Worth Chapter, and she said to me, Hi, Kat, I've been listening to the Polish podcast. I binged it. I listened to every single episode. I was thinking, wow, that's, you've heard the gospel 78 times then <laughs> um, <laughs> because we share the gospel on every single episode. And she said, I wanted you to know that I think Polish is for me. And I laughed. I kind of joked with her. I was like, oh, well, yeah, Polish is for everybody, you know? And it wasn't until later she said, no, I think Polish is for me today. And I said, Evelyn, I want to talk to you after the event today. Could we circle back around and just, I want to hear about your experience. So, of course, she heard the gospel again that day. Go back, see her just pouring with tears. And I'm thinking this poor gal has to tidy back up and go back to work. But I pulled her aside and I said, Evelyn, what's going on? And she said, I want the faith that you and some of these lady ha ladies have. How do I get it? And so I walked her through the Tab Bible, which is the Romans road, and presented, you know, that we're all sinners and that Christ died for us. And he gives us the free gift of grace through Jesus. And we got to Romans chapter 10, verses 9, where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And she was just weeping. And she said, I, okay, what do I do now? And I said, well, let's pray. And she prayed, you know, a humble, feeble prayer and was crying the whole time and prayed to receive Christ right there at the Polished event. And I turned around and Lyndon, our chapter director there at the time, she swooped in and covered her in prayer. And Lyndon had met with her for almost a year going through the book of John. So discipleship is happening. And now Evelyn's plugged into a church in the Fort Worth area because we partner with churches in any area we're in. That's it. We got to go to them, church, don't we? Like these are ladies that are not going to be walking in the church. They're not coming in here already curious and things like that. And so we've got to go to them. And, one of the, and I just I love seeing the, the, the work of that, not only creating events out there that they're going to be able to come into, but again, mobilizing the church body that's already there and saying, hey, you've got a, a role to play here. So your world has been, you, you love the professional world. We love the professional world. And that's where even before getting into pastoral ministry here, I wanted to go work in the professional world to, to understand, hey, this is where real people live. This is where the world is. This is, this is not normal. Having a job at a church isn't normal life. And um, that's what's normal out there. And so, uh, so tell us a little bit about how you've seen uh, men and women and kind of engage missionally in the workplace in really effective ways. Yeah, you had asked me in the first service about, you know, how can men in the workforce really yeah. encourage women? How can they reach out and share the gospel? Well, you should send them to Polished. Um, <laughs> obviously, you should sponsor in a table, and then you should send a whole group of women from your office to Polished to hear the gospel, and then you should treat them to lunch uh, a, a day later and ask them about their experience, and then you should share the gospel with them again. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you, should, you could do. Um, but I think what we see in the scriptures is a God who loves to dignify women. From the very beginning all the way to the end, 
He loves to raise up women leaders to work alongside our brothers in Christ to advance the gospel. And so we need to take that example from the scriptures into the workforce. So if you're in the workforce and you're a man, you should be doing what God would do with women. Tap them on the shoulder, give them more responsibility, give them a voice. This will plant the seeds of a God who loves them and would do the same. Because the first true disciple was Mary of Nazareth, right? And the first preacher was Mary Magdalene. And the first person to become a Christian in the whole continent of Europe was Lydia, a professional, we should, you know, seller of purple dye who co-hosted, founded, and funded the Philippian church. And we should be tapping the future Phoebes and Priscilla's in our congregations and saying, go out there and help Apollos understand in his workplace. Go out there and build the church, build the kingdom where you are. And so not everyone in this room is working in an office. And I get that. Some of us are home with littles and we're caregiving and that's our full-time job. But wherever we are, we can look around and go, we can influence these people. That's it. That's it. Um, you had an awesome story here, and I'm looking at Carrie Johnson here. Carrie, will you come up here for a little bit? Um, I want you to hear from Carrie Johnson. And uh, uh, can you guys help me welcome Carrie real quick? <laughs> Carrie is, uh, Carrie's, you've been at DBC for how long now? Couple years now. Couple years now. You came in through Polished, right? Like that was I found it through Polished. That was a big college. So tell us a little bit about your story and uh, how you got in here, real quick. Sure. So um, that slide that showed the power of Polished, I really I represent my story with Polished represents both sides of that. So I um, found Polished as a professional single woman who had landed in the Dallas Fort Worth area. My career with State Farm moved me here, um, and. I remember finding this group of women, and I was new to the city, new, new role, new coworkers, hadn't yet found my church home. And so that was just one piece. I remember thinking, where was this in the past two with moves that I made to find my church home and to find community immediately? Um, and God has just been really faithful to use Polish and to give me opportunities with coworkers. And one this last year um, was a coworker named Jenny. And like me, she had, State Farm had brought her to the Richardson area, her and her husband from out of state. And I had invited her to a couple of polished events, and through those conversations, she'd shared she'd never been to church. And really, the only thing she knew about church was negative because her husband had walked away from the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. And so it, coming into the church doors wasn't going to be received well from loose our prior conversations. But we hosted an event, Enneagram at Work, Um, with women gathering for a couple of hours, and that was um, something she said yes to, really for the professional development piece. And as Kat said, we share the gospel, and when that gospel presentation, that big story of the Bible happened, she looked over at me, and she had tears in her eyes, and she said, I don't really know why, but I feel like that woman was talking just to me, and I'm emotional, and I don't understand why. And it gave me the opportunity to tell her that I felt like that was the Holy Spirit leading her. And I was able to gift her a Bible. And we've been slowly reading through that once a week at work. And um, it hasn't been, you know, a linear. There's been hard questions that I don't have answers to. And some of her husband, we miss a week. Um, But God's been really faithful. And I believe it's just the beginning of her and her husband's story um, of of really finding faith and finding Jesus. And just at Christmas, they, both her and her husband, uh, attended a Christmas Eve service here with me. And it's just been really sweet to see 
stories like that throughout um, each of our semesters where Polish is that avenue to begin the conversation and really bring the church to people in my workplace. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Carrie. I love that story. Now, real quick, uh, tell me, which seminary did you go to? I didn't go to seminary. No. Okay. <laughs> weird. That's weird. So you didn't have to do that. Okay. What about Bible school or anything weird like that? Or Texas Aggie here, no Bible school. Texas Aggies. Okay. <laughs> Almost the same thing. So there we go. Um, yeah. So maybe there's already a worked in anointing there or something like that. But um, that's awesome. I love, I love that. And is it fair to say that this has been a stretching thing for you as you've come in and you've kind of, uh, did you gain any confidence and stuff as a result of having done it once? And Yeah. You know, I think it's scary every single time. Um, I am praying that one day it won't be, but right now it still is for me. And so these women that are co-laboring with me, um, I'm praying when I say I'm going to have this conversation. I do not know what to say. Would you please lift that up? Um, has really given me confidence, and the Holy Spirit has been faithful every single time, no matter what words come out of my mouth. That's it. I love that story. And church, that's what this is all about. I wanted to bring him up and just uh, let you hear what's going on with Carrie to say, hey, you know what? Every single one of us have these opportunities around us every day. And some of us are men and you're in, you've got your, you've got your man groups all around you at work. Some are ladies and some of our, you are at home. You've got neighbors, you've got kids and you've got your environment around you. And to see, you know what? We've all been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to take these brand new steps of faith wherever we are to work together for the praise and glory of his name. And so, Carrie, I want to thank you for coming and sharing your story. Thank you. And, Kat, thank you for sharing it with us a little bit about your ministry. Uh, can you guys help me thank them one more time? You guys can go ahead and take a seat. I love that. Like I said earlier, um, in between... Uh, uh, in the first service, we had uh, right over there in our in our uh, fireside room. We've got about 40 of their of their uh, city directors. They're all volunteer directors. These are professional women volunteering their time. They're coming. They got an intense training all weekend long about how to engage, uh, how to communicate clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're back there getting wrapped up. Kyle Martin's back there, and uh, he's giving his last hurrah there and the, the last training. And they're going to be sent back out. And we had a chance to come and to walk them up here and pray over them in the first service and just to have that visual and to say, hey, you know what? This is a you and me kind of a thing here. So uh, with that, Daniel, I'm going to invite you to come on up here, man. And uh, this is the last story I wanted you guys to hear. The Valley family, we're going to be commissioning them and sending them out into the mission field for the first time uh, as church-supported missionaries here. And so many of you guys know Daniel, and you've seen his face around here for the past four years. He's got a very fun story to tell, and we're going to bring up Monica and the kids here in a little bit. But uh, Daniel, now you've got... Um, You've got an interesting story because you're a Spaniard, Australian, medical doctor. They gave it all up to move to Dallas and to study and to go back to Australia to minister to Jews. <laughs> that's like all of our story, right? It's like that's, I, I relate so well, right? Okay, so you got to walk us through that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how in the world uh, that came about and, and kind of where you are today. So uh, we are originally from Barcelona. My wife and I met there um, my last year of uh, med school, and she was studying psychology um, here in, in, in the U.S., in San Diego. So uh, we got married, and um, the Lord opened the door for us to go to Australia, basically through my job. I was a medical director. And we moved all the way to the other side of the world. Australia is one of the farthest places you can go from Europe. And without friends or knowing anyone, just trusting the Lord. And it was just a, a great experience uh, to go there and just get immersed into a different culture and, and people. Um, for the first two years, 
Then, when, when we, everything seemed like it was going well, our family was enjoying the time and everything, uh, our daughter, Dana, um, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. So, there she is. Um, she was seven at the time, and this, at the time of diagnosis, we knew already that this, this cancer didn't have a cure. Uh, on average, kids with this uh, diagnosis, they live up to one year. So um, it was devastating news. I still remember the day when we got the diagnosis um, from the, you know, the guy that was doing the MRI. Um, so being a doctor, that sort of, it was difficult for us, uh, just dealing with all that. And we were, I remember every day, just reading scriptures like ever, like if we've never read them before, just trying to seek out the Lord and God's will for us and what he was saying and stuff. And um, the Lord just pointed at this text to me uh, in Romans 12, 6, saying, having gifts um, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them according to the proportion of our faith. So I read that. I had read that before. And at that time, it was like I felt the Lord was talking to me about, you know, you should use your spiritual gifts uh, rather, th rather than your medicine gifts. And uh, I said, okay. Um, week after that, I met with a friend, and he just tells me the same thing. He brings up this passage and starts telling me, uh, you are amazing uh, studying the Bible and everything. And I was like, okay, uh, hold on. This is weird. And then on Sunday, we go to this church. Uh, we Typically, we don't, we don't go, and the pastor is preaching on, on the same passage. And I was like, okay, is this like Romans 12, 6 week? Or <laughs> what's going on? So um, I shared with Monica, and we felt both that the Lord was somehow calling us in the midst of this tribulation for our family. And um, so we kept that aside. Uh, four months later, after diagnosis, Dana went with Jesus. Um, it was very difficult, but at the same time, very special. Uh, on her funeral day, a number of families from, from school came and they, they told us they were there because their kids had told them they had to go to church because Dana had told them about heaven and how uh, cool it is to be with Jesus. So their kids were all about passionate about Jesus and heaven. So uh, we realized that Dana was, uh, you know, a believer. We knew it was she was a believer, but she had the gospel all the time on her mouth. She would tell to her, uh, her younger brother, um, about how heaven is. Whenever she would see a rainbow, she would say, look, this is, this is beautiful, but heaven is much, much more beautiful. And the streets are of gold, and they're, you know, precious jewels. But that's just because we don't know, and we, we cannot grasp how cool is heaven. That's why because God describes it like that. So um, every time we see a rainbow now, we remember Dana because of her passion for rainbows, and that's in all of our pictures. Uh, that's a picture of our current family. Uh, on this side of heaven, and we have uh, Jonah, well, the, from left to right, Jonah, um, he's our four-year bomb, and um, <laughs> he's Australian, by the way, we have an Australian, Alan is 11, he's from Europe, and uh, Sydney is American, so, <laughs> yeah, the, our, <laughs> that's awesome, <laughs> so we have an international family, and I'm not going to get into uh, where Monica was born and everything else, because that would take another sermon, like, <laughs> but um, yeah, and then we came. We came to Dallas. So tell us. Okay, you've been here for four years now, and you've been serving in some of our adult Bible fellowships and in a lot of different ministries around here. Tell us a little bit about what he's been doing with you the past four years, and where you're going to be 
uh, working in the next couple years? Yes, yeah, so um, we were in seminary. We didn't know where uh, was after seminary. We were praying about it. Uh, the only thing we knew, I knew that, you know, I really wanted to get Greek and Hebrew, you know, done and, and well passed. So I was studying Hebrew and, and Greek, and my emphasis sort of was on that uh, field. But uh, about two years ago, uh, by the way, Monica was doing counseling uh, and is doing counseling with uh, married, married couples, uh, different churches, and it looks like a perfect complement for, for our ministry. But uh, two years ago, we were sent to Australia uh, with this opportunity. We go back, reconnecting with uh, our friends there, and I come across this uh, Messianic Jewish congregation um, that happened to be about 10 minutes from where we used to live. So they invited me over, and they said, at the end of the uh, service, they say, hey, uh, we've been praying that God would send uh, us someone from DTS. And I was, uh, okay, what does that mean? It's like, well, we have a need here, and, you know, we would love you to pray and consider about, you know, just coming and, and serving amongst Jewish people. And... I told him, well, you know, you realize I'm not Jewish, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and only, said, Span yeah. only Spanish, uh, Australian, and, and American. Yeah. That's it. He said, well, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of diaspora, but not <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> so um, I, I went home. I told Monica, and she was a bit in shock as well. And uh, we thought about it for a, for a brief moment, and then we parked it. And we started, we came back to Dallas, started our semester uh, a few months in, uh, we got this call again from Australia, from these guys, and they're telling us that they they have they think in their hearts that God is calling us to to go there and minister to them, uh, and they needed uh, someone to pastor this congregation that they were meeting in a house uh, every other week. They didn't have a, a regular uh, ministry, so um, we started praying more uh, seriously about it, and then. God started sending Jewish people in our way. So Monica went on a plane, and she was surrounded by Jewish people. Um, I got to know uh, more Jewish people that had accepted Jesus as their Savior. And what struck me was that for, for everyone that gets to know Jesus, it's like lights go on at some point, and, and they, they understand the gospel. But for a Jewish person, it's just like the fulfillment of a, a long-awaited um, arrival of yeah. their Messiah, you know, it's like, it's amazing, when they realize Jesus is the Messiah, everything changes for them, it's a fulfillment of every feast they've been celebrating yeah. since they were little, you know, everything they've heard is just, yeah, it makes sense now, yeah. so I was drawn to that, and God's been just working in our hearts, uh, to the point that we, after pray, prayerfully consider it, uh, a year after we applied to uh, become full-time missionaries with Chosen People Ministries, and they accepted us. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, basically the idea is that at the end of this year, uh, God willing, we'll be going back to Australia. Oh, that's awesome. So you guys are about to take off. And this next year, you, they're going to be doing a, uh, an internship at Baruch Hashem Messianic Congregation right around the corner from us, doing a year there while they raise their funds. And, and, so, uh, and then hopefully right around this time next year, we'll be sending you out for good with plane tickets in, in hand and everything like that, right? Yes, yes, yeah. we pray. That's, that's, that's awesome. True. We want to yeah. take some time, and before you go out, we want to take some time and pray for you as a church. And so, Monica, I'm going to invite you to come on up here now. If you want to bring the kids, you can, and uh, we'd love to do this again with you guys. But, um, uh, Ben, you can come on up. And, church, I'm going to invite you to, uh, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we pray over this, over this couple. Missionaries, while, we, while you're doing that, missionaries, if you've come in from your tables, if you'll come up to the front also. Um,
I'm going to pray for the Valley family first, and then I want to pray over you guys too and give, give them a blessing there. So um, I, told, uh, I told Alan earlier on in the service, I was like, he's got a blessing on his life too, and he has been sharing the rainbow story and his own story of what happened with his sister with other families that have been in need also. And so I just continue to pass on that blessing to you, brother. Your parents are going, and they're being missionaries, but you're called too. And this isn't just on them. And so I'm going to pray for you also. And so, um, church, I'm going to invite you. If